Welcome to the Built On Air Podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. In each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern and join our active community at BuiltOnAir.com. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OnToAir Backups. OnToAir Backups provides automated Airtable backups to your cloud storage for secure and reliable data protection. Prevent data loss and set up a secure Airtable backup system with OnToAir Backups at OnToAir.com. As one customer, Sarah, said, Having automated Airtable backups has freed up hours of my time every other week and the fear of losing anything. Longtime customer David states, OnToAir backups might be the most critical piece of the puzzle to guard against unforeseeable disaster. It's easy to set up, and it just works. Join Sarah, David, and hundreds more Airtable users like you to protect your Airtable data with OnToAir backups. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OnToAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. Welcome back to the Built on Air podcast, season 16, final episode of the season and the year episode eight. Good to be with you, Dan Fellers. We got Camille Parks and Scott Rose back with us. Welcome back. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving week. Yes, yes, busy week here in the States. So we will uh, we will go through, I'll go through what we're going to be talking about today. We always do an hour-long show, keep you up to date on everything Airtable. We'll walk through all the communities. Um, shoot, lost my, we'll walk through all the communities first of uh, what's what people are talking about, new features updates. Then we'll give a shout out to our sponsor on to air. And then we're going to go through today. We're going to do all apps. So we're going to do three different apps. Scott's going to walk through simple texting using make and Airtable. Then Camille's going to walk through her own app called master calendar and some updates that are coming out there. And then a quick shout out to join our community. And then finally, I'm going to walk through one of another app called tab graph and talk through a couple different ways to visualize your data. So with that, Got a couple updates from the Airtable world. Um, first one is a new announcement, uh, AI related, and AI is a very hot topic this week. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, so anyways, they, they announced that you can now do, there's a now a ta- uh, an action within the automation section to perform AI tasks. Um, I believe this, you have to have the beta for the AI. Yeah. So everyone who's yeah. in the AI beta can, can use this now. And so you just set it up like an action, just like an update or run script um, action. And you can just pre-fill it. And I think in a future episode, we'll, we'll do a segment on this. Somebody I'm sure will. So we'll, we'll walk through the details of this, but it's pretty basic. I played with it. Um, pretty simple to set up. So any thoughts on this feature? I'm not in the beta, so I haven't been able to use what? this. Well, yeah. Well, you know what's interesting? I signed up for the beta, and I don't have it on my end. Really? Yeah. This post is from the 16th of November, so I would expect you would have it by now if it yeah. was, like, relaunching on that date. Um, I'll email uh, I don't know. Thread, or I'll post in that thread and say, hey, I haven't received it yet. Is the data like account wide or is it for specific bases? uh, Specific bases. Okay. okay. So maybe, maybe double check whatever base you were testing the AI field in. And if it's not there, I'm sure you could reach out and say, Hey, I'm in this beta. And I might be, it might be workspace level. That makes sense to me. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I'd like to see it. I'd like to play with it and see what see what it's like. Dan, you said you did play with it a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, I played with it. And um, yeah, it works. It works as expected. You just basically you can insert your own variables. It's still at the record level. Um, so and then you just save the output of the API request to ChatGPT and um, it saves it into a field. 
Well, actually, it doesn't even save it into a field. It just it's the output of that action. And then if you want to save that, then you have to set up an update um, record to save the output. Right. Were you able to test if it works as expected in a repeating action group? I did not test in a repeating action group. Well, that might be like a way to, you might be able to fire it on like a whole view or a hundred records in a view. Um, and then, you know, put this in the repeating action step and do multiple at once. But yeah, that, it seems like it'd be helpful. I just haven't been able to use it myself. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do a segment on it um, in the future and keep you up to date. But yeah, so so Scott, are you saying you have access to the the other AI stuff, or they haven't given it yet? No, I don't think I have access to any of the AI stuff. No. Um, and I'm I got to look in my enterprise workspaces to double check that because if it's workspace dependent, then I'm gonna have to I'll have to do some more digging. But I haven't seen any of the AI features pop up for me yet. Yeah. I am now wondering if maybe there was like a cutoff point where they were like accept, accepting signups up until a particular date and then just like cut it off. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's what happened, but you know, wouldn't hurt to reach out because I mean, surely they know you by now. <laughs> <laughs> For good or bad. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll reach out. I'll see so I can get in on this, get in on the fun action. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you're on the Facebook community, um, they, uh, they talk a lot about it over there. <clears throat> um, anyways, this is a good, good segue into if, if you're involved at all in the tech world, you've likely heard about major drama at OpenAI, the, the company behind ChatGPT. Uh, major shakeups. It's still not fully resolved. The board uh, relieved the CEO of all duty, and then he got hired by Microsoft along with the other co-founder. And oh. there's, there's a lot of drama there. Um, and the reason I bring it up is because how it impacts Airtable is Airtable is currently only supporting ChatGPT as an AI engine. And so it could be as possible, like all almost like 90% of the employees at, at OpenAI said that they would leave unless the board um, left and got a new board. And so OpenAI and ChatGPT may not exist in a week. <laughs> this is tons of drama. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And uh, so that could impact Airtable if, if, you know, if that stabilizes. So at some point, Airtable is going to have to support more engines, you know, more endpoints for, for its AI. So as George R. R. Martin continues to, you know, delay the release of the final Game of Thrones books, we can instead look <laughs> towards the world of AI. <laughs> and by the way, does this not tie in directly to what Camille said last week on the show where she's like, I'm just, I'm sort of just taking a, I'm just a wait and see approach to what happens yeah. with the whole yeah. AI stuff. Yeah. Chaos is a ladder. Yeah. <laughs> I've learned. Yeah. There'd be less drama if the AI engines were in charge. <laughs> <laughs> we say that now. That's, That's how Skynet happened. Yeah, that's hilarious. That's true. that's true. So anyway, so yeah, there's it's all over X, Twitter, um, everywhere. So it's 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 a lot of drama to, to stay on top of what the latest is. But it does impact Airtable, especially as as they're working through their AI strategy. All right. Speaking of um speaking of uh AI, there's a couple other um, so I've got a couple here. Um, these are coming from Reddit, really good, um, article. So I think we mentioned this before, like, and this actually, apparently the whole reason of outing the CEO at, at OpenAI is not fully public. They said that he wasn't being honest. That's what they said in their press release. Um, but they didn't give any specifics, but there is speculation that it revolves around him moving too fast especially they just released their, their custom GPT feature 
where anybody could kind of build their own um, AI engine that you could use. <clears throat> and so on the heels of that, <clears throat> Kevin Cole, shout out to him, um, wrote a really good in-depth article on how you would use that, that new functionality directly with Airtable mm -hmm. and build an AI that can mm -hmm. speak to the Airtable AI and communicate with, with Airtable. Um, so this is pretty cool if you want to play with that new feature. I heard that they had to shut it down. I didn't sign up in time to get access to it, and they got just so much um, interest in it. They've had to shut down uh, giving people access to it. So you probably can't sign up for building your own, but you can use others that have built one. Uh, very cool. And this looks like it's kevin-cole.com. Yep. Nice. Yep. So shout out to Kevin. Come on our show. Walk us through how you built this. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's kind of cool if you're in the if you're into into that kind of stuff. Um, Very cool. And then is this from the same center? Let me see. No, this is a different. So here's here is um, <clears throat> a similar approach to somebody that built it and then they and then they made it available um, for people to use. So the other one's more a tutorial on how to build one yourself. This is somebody actually sharing it. However, you have to um, be a paid subscriber to ChatGPT. Um, so you have to you have to sign up to, to get access to these custom ones. And so um, so yeah, so that that's one. If you do have access to it, then you can actually try it out and see how that works. So that's in tandem. Yeah, so those are the the custom ChatGPT features. Next one, um, we mentioned this a few weeks ago um, about some of the drama around Airtable as a company and it's about and its valuation. Um, and what's going on here. Here's just kind of really good summary. If you're looking for a summary, we'll, we'll have this link of kind of what's going on, all the back and forth between the, the CEO. And then he came on and clarified um, some of the information, but really good, good thread here of kind of the summary of all the back and forth on that front. Interesting. All right, let's get into some uh, issues. I think, Scott, you actually pointed this one out. Um, so this is from the Airtable community. How can I get rid of the cookie pop-up in the embed view? You want to explain what's going on here? Yeah, it seems like this is something new that Airtable has just changed. When people, when you share a view in Airtable, you have two choices. You can just share it using an Airtable.com URL, and it takes up the whole web page. Or you can share the view as an embed, as an embedded view, meaning that they give you some code, iframe code, that you can then use on your own website and embed it within your own website, your Airtable view. And apparently over the last week or so, um, Airtable is now putting up a, uh, a pop-up dialogue that is asking people to allow or accept or decline cookies. Yes, thank you for bringing that up on the screen there. And so people are saying, so one guy, so there's a bunch of people in that thread complaining about it, this new behavior. One guy said that it's significant, it is significantly decreased signups. Um, I guess maybe because that's obscuring whatever is behind it that he wanted people to see to sign up on his site. And then other people are saying that not only does this obscure the view on their site, but even after people accept the cookies, uh, they say that when they keep coming back to when they come back to the site again, it keeps popping up over and over again. Mm -hmm. So it seems like there's a double problem here. Um, it does seem a little weird, right? A little intrusive for the, for a, a dialogue to come up to accept or decline the cookies from within the Airtable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's deeply annoying. Yeah. <laughs> that is the perfect, that is the perfect way to sum that up. Deeply annoying. Because I, I know that a lot of websites have to be careful about, um, being compliant with, you know, certain rules about like, you must disclose when you are storing 
information at all about any uh, visits or traffic to the website. But when you're embedded in another website that might have its own cookies, um, you know, dialog box, and then there's another one inside of it, and then it's covering information, it, it's, it is pretty, you know, from an end user perspective, it, it's, it, it's intrusive. And I, I don't, I don't know what you do. If you have to have it there, if they didn't just add it just cause, if they're required to have that there, even if it is an embed, I don't know how you would do it without being so intrusive. Surely there's a way for it to remember that you've already said accept. So I think that might be a little bit buggy if it's not going away upon revisiting, but yeah, just, just annoying. Yeah. yeah. And what's weird is in the, and I guess the big question is what has changed in the last seven days where they weren't mm -hmm. doing this, you know, in the seven years leading up to now, right? I mean, all of a sudden now they're doing this, which is. So here they got a response from Airtable saying this pop-up is actually part of share link behavior. As of now, it's a feature that was implemented by our team not long ago and still in its early stage of impact assessment. I'd say the impact assessment has been poor so far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that would really annoy me if I was embedding Airtable on my website for my customers to see data. And every time they came, they had to keep accepting that. Or even the first time, even one time, obscuring all the data that I'm trying to present. Yeah. Yeah. If it would just put it below the data itself, because it's an embed, meaning like the like Airtable stops at like where the, the grid ends and there's a scroll probably in there, but underneath that, if they just put the, do you accept cookies thing, right. then it's at least not on top of stuff. Right. Um, yeah. That's how many, yeah, totally. That's how so many websites do it where, you know, that it's taking up the bottom inch of your screen and you just accept it, but it's not obscuring anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That is frustrating. Well, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on this, see if they take the feedback. You know it's an issue when you get this many responses on the Airtable community because it's usually pretty dead, but here you see it's not. <laughs> I totally agree. And, and the other weird thing about, you know, the new Airtable community is that, be, you know, in the old community, new applies would push threads up to the top. Yeah. Now that never happens. So to your point, Dan, the fact that so many people have found this thread, which is buried many pages down now and responded to it shows that this is a alarming issue for people. I have a question about the Airtable community UI. It looks like this post has two likes, 77 views and no comments, but there are comments, right? <laughs> is that how I'm reading? That <laughs> You are reading that correctly. Wow. What? <laughs> what? 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 Oh All right. And it has 10 likes or 10 kudos, if you will. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I think you just... Uh, if you count up all the kudos. Do, do we find... Do oh, we... Yeah. Camille, you find the best bugs. Yeah. All right. That is funny. <laughs> it's not like this software is new or beta. No. Me. I I I am not a fan of this platform. I think it's there was making... a comment one of the one of the community managers I think in response to Kavan said that they are working to address the community issues. So whether that means a new platform or bug fixes, I don't know. Well, you know, we addressed it with tableforms.com. That's nope. right. That is that's the greatest forum for discussing Airtable. Yeah. yeah, it is certainly easier to use. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, so. and there's no known bugs. <laughs> All right. Well, more. So yeah, if you if you rely on embedding uh, embedding views into your website, be aware you you now have to deal with this pop up. <clears throat> you know, can I say one more thing about the embedding views thing? Yep. It, it, what's interesting about Airtable is that their embedded views have actually never really fully worked on mobile anyways, because they, if you embed it on your website, then you load your website on a mobile device, 
the toolbar never appears. The toolbar for searching, sorting, filtering, coloring. The only thing you can do on mobile is just scroll through the list. Like if it's a, a grid view, for example, right. you could just scroll through the list. So it's always been a rather ineffective thing. If you have people visiting your website and you want them to be able to filter, sort, search or whatever, because you're presenting them with data, you, you have to hope they're visiting on a desktop or a laptop, basically. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Next one. Going back to the uh, built on air community. I thought this was an interesting question. I don't know if we know the answer. It says, does anyone know if I change out the primary field in a table, which is a relatively new feature that Airtable added, will it disrupt APIs like make.com or other automations or formula fields, or will it continue tracking that column as it did before? I will say it won't affect formula fields unless and you know, there's a caveat there. If you have table A and table B and, and they're linked together, right? Um, if you change the primary field in table A to something else, and there's a formula in table B that references that linked field, its values are going to change, right? Because the name of your record is now different, but the formula will be intact, if that makes sense. It's not gonna throw an error but you're, you've named your records differently, right? So all the outputs of your formulas are therefore going to be different. So in that regard, it's going to work, but you should be aware that multiple things might change. Um, I haven't tested, but you might also wanna double check that might affect last modified times for mm. formulas. Um, Right. Technically, um, last modified times don't can't target formula formula fields, but last modified automations can. So, if you're targeting a formula field that is in some way referencing the primary field of a record, it might recognize that the value has changed, and therefore it might trigger an automation. That's something to consider. Again, I haven't tested that, but I suspect that it will because you are changing the value of the record. Um, in terms of how Make and Zapier and uh, Parabola and NNN and how all of those work, it kind of depends on what you've done, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Because speaking uh, about Make, there's the search records um, uh, mod module, and it's not asking for a primary field. So, you know, that doesn't matter necessarily. And then the update and upsert, I'm pretty sure they ask for a record ID, and that's not changing. So that doesn't matter. Um, so, you might you might be fine maybe the one the one scenario where i think it could be an issue because so one thing is if you do switch out your primary field the ids do do stay consistent so mm -hmm. the fields keep the same ids they had it just switches which one's the primary yeah. the one the one scenario where it could mess things up is if you're using linked records and you're inserting the name of the linked record you now need to use the value of the new primary field yes. for that. So that is a scenario where you need to update the value you're inserting for the linked record field. Great call out. Mm, right, right. Yeah. You're talking about like in make, Dan? Or you're talking about anything. Anything, yeah. Yeah, anything right. API, I guess. Right, that's a really good point, yep. And you know, and make does have that feature where you can specify where you can tell make to only use field IDs for things. And so if you've turned on that option in your mm -hmm. scenario, then it would be pointing to the wrong field then basically. If you were, well, actually no, it wouldn't be, right? Because they're keeping mm -hmm. their field IDs. So you'd probably still be expecting it. Yeah, I think there would probably be minimal disruption except for what you were saying, Dan. Yeah, yeah. I do think that might be the one piece that, is likely it, it's definitely consistent for Make and Zapier and all of the other like integration hubs. Um, if you were counting on that same scenario, table A and table B are linked, and you are 
um, creating or modifying a record in table B, including the linked record relationship to table A, and you're inserting the name of the record, you want to make sure that your automation is now inserting the correct name of the record because you've switched what the name is. So you need to point it to whatever the other field is. Right, right. That's such a good point because I bet a lot of people are doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, great point. Yeah, there's more. That that does apply to Airtable automations as well. Um, If you're not linking explicitly by record IDs, you're doing record name everywhere, just every automation you have, I guess, just double check. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Be cautious of that. All right, next one. This uh oops. This is uh a new feature that um apparently uh, Meredith found this clear data option. So, mm-hmm. if you click on the drop down of a table, they now added this clear data right above delete table. So we tried to figure out what it actually means. And it basically means delete the record, all the records in that table, but not delete the table itself, the structure. It's Yeah, it's interesting because it doesn't come up too often. Although I think a good use case scenario would be if you're duplicating your base because you want to make like a an archive of your old data, and then you want to start all over again with fresh data in one of the two bases, you could just clear out the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, interesting. Let me double check, see if it's here. I don't really know. Yeah, it, it doesn't come up that often, though. So I don't know. And it it will have the dialog box, right? That's what we saw in that screenshot. Yeah. yeah. Like, are you sure you and want to? I mean, to you could easily just click the checkbox here. Like, it's two mm-hmm. steps to delete all records. Yeah. It is like, you have to have a grid view. Um, Airtable won't let you not have a grid view, but you can't do that in like a, if you're looking at a calendar or a gallery or something. But if you have like thousands and thousands and thousands of records, sometimes Airtable is really slow with the select all thing. So I'm wondering if this is just more, Hmm. it's prepared for mass deletions, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right, right. It it's feels pretty- conditionally useful, but to your point, Scott, I don't think it's going to come up very often in most people's uh, experience with Airtable. It's going to be like, you know, once in a blue moon, you'll need to clear everything out of a, a particular table. Yeah. It seemed like at first when I first learned about this, it, it seems slightly alarming that like, oh my gosh, someone could accidentally clear all the data. But then I realized, well, right underneath it is delete table. So either one of those could be potentially alarming. And <laughs> so I guess that as long as people don't <laughs> accidentally choose those two, you're fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, Carlson says, maybe it makes your data less confusing and it clears it up. <laughs> It's like an AI feature. AI feature. That would be clarify data. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's the newest AI feature. That's right. But they spelled it wrong because it has to be clarify. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Cleared up. All right. Next one. Um, oh, this is just discussion on the new AI automation feature. Um, if you want to see feedback of what uh, people are saying about it. Um, and it does support, I guess one thing, it supports version 3.5 as well as GPT version 4, chat GPT version 4. So that's that. Um, okay, here's another one. Ben Green points out that they now on an automation, you can actually see, um, let's see. The number of runs per month. The number of runs per month or that have happened this month right mm-hmm. there. Because oh, before cool. they only gave you like in the account setting across all automations, the total runs. Yeah. I'm, wait a second. I'm not seeing this either. Is this, why am I not seeing any of the new features? <laughs> <laughs> Scott, you need to turn your computer off and turn it back on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. If, are you guys seeing this on your end? I haven't noticed it. Um I would feel so much better if Camille wasn't getting these features either. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Let me see. 
Uh, uh, I think it was automation. <laughs> what was that? Your audio cut out. And he was seeing it in here, right? On this view. Yeah. It it, wait, can we, let's take a look at his screenshot. Yeah. That's on that view. Yeah. So yeah, you're not seeing it on your end either. I don't see it. Is Ben punking us? Ben? Ben, ben <laughs> might have access to some top secret betas. He's, he's well connected. He's very well connected. Yeah. So that could be it. I'm so glad that, that none of us are seeing this. Well, it sounds like it would be useful uh, just as a quick yep. sort of visual thing. They still need to allow you to search automations. That's that's not a thing. And uh, we need a more visible place to see what you've added as the description for an automation. The description for automation steps is plainly visible, but the whole automations description, you, you only get if you hover over the tooltip. So whenever they launch this, they should also launch those other two things. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, yeah. All right, last one coming from, we talked a little bit about table forums. Um, here's a really good review. Uh, last week we talked about the new form builder and Camille, you walked through how to use it. That's inside the interfaces. So here's a good review of that. And Camille provides mm -hmm. that good review. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so. and as Camille said last week, they, it is, they're confusing people by using the word upgrade. Yeah. Because it's not an upgrade. It's you get to choose. Do you want the yeah. interface form builder or do you want the form view builder? I think migrate might be a better word. And it's not quite an interface form, which is why I, I was struggling with not calling it that last week. Because um, the in interfaces, there's a there's buttons that's like open a open a record form and that's that's an interface form these are the form builder and if you look at the like um uh description or the help article for it it's not called an interface form at least not yet even though you get there from the interfaces tab mm. so Right. It's it's there's a layer of separation there because there's different features in it than in the full page and the uh, modal versions of interface forms. And so there's three different types of forms you can make right now, and they're all very similar. Um, <laughs> that is so true. I'm I imagine the interface forms are going to go away in favor of the form builder that makes sense to me and form views might stay they might not ever be depreciated i don't know but they are probably going to push people more towards the interface no the form builder that's my guess and next right. season i'm sure i will be proven wrong <laughs> <laughs> but i think that the three of us we could go you know over the thanksgiving weekend and come up with better names for all these things and then present mm -hmm. the air table next week yeah because yeah because you would because if if you upgrade you still have access to the original form yeah you know so if i i would think uh, upgrade means it converts that current you know that existing one to the new mm -hmm. version but you're not really doing that so that would be a fear of like okay if i click this button like this is what mm -hmm. this thread is about like what happens yeah. to my old one if i I don't like the new one. If you've already distributed the link, does that mean you have to send a new link to people? Yeah. It does yeah. if you want to use that new form yeah. builder experience, but like your your existing form will remain in place. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yep. Yeah, that would be cool if they had a redirect feature where if you had links out to your old one, it you could say automatically redirect everything to the new one. Oh, that's true. You could I guess you could put on yeah, manual link for people to click on. But yeah. that's it though. It wouldn't yeah. be an automatic redirect. You could update, yeah, you could update that form and say go here now. Yeah. 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 So anyways, that concludes our uh our round the bases and keeping you up to date with everything Airtable related. We'll see. We'll be off for a month or so. We'll see what they announce by the end of the year. <clears throat> Oh, we got a comment from Alicia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Redirecting yes. upon submit is lacking in the new form builder. Yeah, that's correct. 
Uh, that is the one sort of piece. It's the submission options for the new form builder. Um, it, that limitation is also present in interface forms, which again are very similar, but not quite. Um, but form views remain the only ones that can redirect to a specific URL um, after submission. And they also have the baked in email, whoever is logged in and email the person who submitted the form. Those aren't features in um, the new form builder experience. I feel like they will probably probably be added at some point. Um, I don't think they are going to be like abandoned necessarily as features, but you cannot do them today. Yep. Very good. Mm -hmm. All right. Quick shout out to onto our backups. If you need to, if you're relying on your data for anything uh, mission critical in your business, you need to be backing it up outside of Airtable and Ontoware is the leading provider for backup solutions specific to Airtable. Check us out at ontoware.com. And uh, over the break, we will be releasing some new functionality. So I'm excited next season to, to showcase some of that. The last few months we've been working on stability and, and making some uh, underlying improvements, but now we're back to feature development. So we will be announcing some new functionality coming up uh, during the break. So shout out to Ontoware, join it, uh, sign up there, use Built on Air as a coupon code that gives you a discount and get started backing up your data. All right, Scott, if you want to share your screen. Yes. Right. This is the Twilio killer. The Twilio killer. We're going to talk about simple texting today. Uh, Oh, you know, I'd love to share my entire screen if it'll let me. Let's see. Does this, is this readable? Or can you, is this good? Can you guys see my yep. screen? Okay, yes. cool. I don't want to show you text messages in the background. Uh, yeah, so this came up this week with a client of mine. He's actually a friend of the show. He listens to us on Spotify. And uh, his name is Nick. I've been creating all sorts of cool things with him. He's up in Toronto. And so I want to say a shout out to him. He's probably listening to us right now. And um, and what I was going to say, just kick this off, is that, you know, I've created like a, an uncountable number of text messaging systems with Airtable. And in the past, I've historically always used Twilio, you know, because they're sort of the biggest player. They have the Twilio extension for Airtable. And it's sort of like just real easy to just, you know, it, it seems like it's real easy to just dive in because Twilio is everywhere. But if you've actually ever used Twilio, it is so complex. I don't know if you guys have had experience with Twilio. Yeah. it's it, Their API is unbelievably complex. Um, their documentation is so complex. It's so, it's so um, difficult. And and when Nick came to me a couple of weeks ago and said that he wanted to do a text messaging system, I took it as an opportunity to say, you know what? I think it's time for us to start exploring other text messaging platforms. So we looked at a bunch of different text messaging platforms and, together and we discovered simple texting and it lives up to its name. It is so simple, you would not believe it. <laughs> it's like, it's such a breeze compared to Twilio. So I know that I actually, uh, on this podcast, I actually showed a Twilio text messaging solution back in 2021. So here we are two years later, and I'm going to show you a simple texting solution. So one cool thing that I really love about simple texting is that when you log into their website and you have your number, they actually give you an interface here where you can send and receive text messages uh, right here, right from their website. So you actually um, can do everything right here. You don't even need like a, a front end database like Airtable or, or make or anything, you know, to, to actually control it. It could all be done here. And it just groups all your text messages together based, based on the person that you're communicating with. Um, and there was one other thing I was going to say, but I forgot. I'll probably remember in a moment. But anyways, let's go into our Airtable base here for a moment. Now, um, Today, I'm going to show you how you can use an Airtable interface or an Airtable grid view to send and receive messages with people, with your customers, for example. But just so you know, 
what I'm doing with Nick, we're doing something completely different with him. We're doing a completely automated text messaging system for him. Once a day, his system is sending out text messages to all the employees that are on the schedule that day to make sure that they have taken their, that they, that their supervisors have given them their break for the day. And so at a certain time of the day, everyone that's on the schedule gets an automated text message and they reply with either one or two, whether they've gotten their break or not. And if they say two, they haven't gotten their break, then the supervisor will get a text message letting them know that this employee needs to take their break. And that is, it's all automated and it's powered by Airtable and Make. Um, but I thought that that might not be as fun to show because there's really no human interaction with that. It's really just the text messaging uh, table in Airtable. It just keeps showing what's happening throughout the day. The text messages just keep loading. You see the responses and it goes from there. So I thought it would be more fun to show you more of an interactive demo where the humans are involved. So what I've got here is I've got our flower order database and we've got our list of customers here. And then we've also got a text messaging tab and each text message is linked to a particular customer. So we have one customer here and it's grouped by customer and you could see the, uh, the chain of text messages that have come in so far. And if we look at this from an interface point of view, this is where it looks even nicer because what you can do is you can click on one of your customers here on the left and then right over here, you can have the whole chain of text messages going right here. So if I wanna send a new message to this customer, and by the way, I'm on the demo version of Simple Text, so I think I can only send to my own phone number. I'm on the free, the free plan right now, so I'm gonna just send this to myself. Um, and so right here from the interface, you can click, or let me go back and show you what I clicked on. I clicked on add message right here, and the customer is already pre-selected for me because I'm on this customer. And I'm just gonna say hello and thank you for watching the show. And then if I want, I can also attach images as well. So on my desktop, I have a whole bunch of images. Oh, I don't have the dog images out, but I have cat images here. And I'm gonna upload this. So you can send MMS messages as well. And I'm gonna say create. And then that will show up in a moment. Now it hasn't shown up here yet because it hasn't yet been processed by simple texting and make.com, which is in the background doing this whole thing. But there it is. It now came in Airtable. This actually means that it was successfully sent by simple texting. And it shows me that this is an outgoing message. Here's the date and the time. Here's the message and here's the media. And then you know, I could just click in on this and oh you know what I didn't actually put the media here on the screen but you know you could just add that there then see it uh, then here in the background is my text messaging app and so you can see that I got the photo and I got the message and it's adding the word simple texting here because I'm on the free plan but of course once you start paying for it uh that disappears so there it is it says hello and thank you for watching the show and then in reply, I can respond and I could say, you are welcome. Take a look at my pretty cat. And I will put in another cat photo here. For all you dog lovers, the next demo I do, it'll be all dog photos for you. <laughs> <laughs> so I just sent that and and then in a moment after simple text processes this and it gets sent, it should only be a couple seconds, then it'll show up here as an incoming text message. And if we're curious to see where things are in the process, we could just look at our inbox here on the simple texting website. And we can actually see that the message has actually not yet gotten to simple texting. Um, sometimes, you know, there's typically this happens pretty instantaneous. Mm -hmm. Um, and let me just make sure there wasn't an error here as well. So as we're sort of talking through, 
um, because like sending a text message back and forth, I'm sure in the, the back end of it all, it's going to be pretty similar between what Twilio is doing behind the scenes and what simple texting is doing behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. But you mentioned that working with simple texting is so much easier than Twilio. What about this is easier to manage in simple texting? Because I'm sure like they both have a, a predefined make module, but like what about its connecting points is easier to work with? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. It's And you are right that make, because I'm going to show you sort of the, the underpinnings of this in a moment. And by the way, you could see that that message did actually come in here, although it didn't download the that might be an Airtable thing. It might That's be an Airtable. Ah, uh, okay, cool. Long-standing Airtable bug. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can see I did all these tests earlier today, and you can see that they it was processing the images properly. So maybe, yeah, maybe that'll come in in a little bit. Um, but the but to answer your question, you are correct that if you go to make.com and you look at all the apps they support, they do have you know native support for Twilio. And they also have native support for simple texting. Um, and I think that what some of the complexity comes in with the way that Twilio handles a lot of the different things that could come up. Like, for example, I'm trying to think of some great examples here. Um, a lot of it has to do with the downloading of the media which Twilio makes a lot more difficult through their API and you have to jump through a lot of hoops to do that. There's also, even before you get to the automation part, Twilio makes you go through a, a very confusing process to register the numbers. If you do have a, you're, you have to now have to register your text messaging numbers and it's a very lengthy process that takes multiple days and it's not clear how to do it on their website. So just the setup process can take you many days with Twilio. And with simple texting, it's it's almost immediate. You get your number immediately and you could start text messaging within a few minutes. Um, going back to the API stuff, um, it can be very challenging to communicate with Twilio when you're trying to download messages that have already been sent in the past because you want to see what their current status is. And one that's sort of one key difference that I've noticed between simple texting and Twilio where Twilio will report back to you that the message was sent, but it may not have actually been successfully sent yet. It actually may have bounced back to you. And I've noticed that with simple texting, they don't do that. They don't report back to you that the message was sent unless it was successfully sent. And so in my personal experience, it's lots of little baby things, mm -hmm. little tiny things that add up and make it a much more complex process. But a lot of times you actually have to dive into the API code because in both simple texting and Twilio. And the reason is because when you look at Make and what they support, they don't necessarily always support every single function. So for example, with simple texting, they have 18 different modules, which is quite a bit. Um, but what they don't have let me just make sure I'm saying this correctly. Yep. What they don't have is the get a media function where you can actually download uh, the images. Wait, hmm. where, did this, where did this go? Here it is. Um, and so every once in a while, and same thing with Twilio, right? Where Make might have access to some of the things that are pre-built in, but then there's a couple of specialized things or a couple of extra things you might want to do where you need to start diving into the API itself and you have to make a custom API call. And if you compare the API documentation of simple texting to Twilio, it this is where it really lives up to the name simple texting because you can see everything is just clearly laid out here very, very simply. It's very, very easy to read the API. It's very easy to use the API. And when you go to Twilio, you can really, really get lost in the jungle. Uh, even just something as simple as setting up webhooks in Twilio, if you've ever done that before, it's really, really difficult to even find on their website where you go to configure the webhooks for receiving incoming messages. And it is so simple in, um, in simple texting. Um, it's just right here on the integrations page. You just go right here and here you go. 
Here's your webhooks. You just set them up right here. It was like two clicks away. And you could be scrambling all through the Twilio website for 10, 15 minutes. So I feel like in general, it feels like the people who created simple texting, and apparently this has been out for a really long time. I just didn't know about it. Um, this has been out for years and years and years. Um, it feels like they are, they've made everything much cleaner, clearer. And I really do think they're trying to live up to that name, simple texting. Yeah. Um, do you want me to show you briefly how it works behind the scenes or no? Uh, yeah, real quick. Real quick. This is the incoming text. By the way, this shows you how easy it is. Yeah. If you were to do this in Twilio and you were processing media, for example, you would need a lot more uh, modules than this. But right here, you just watch for incoming messages. Um, and then you, I add in this search records here because the phone number that comes in from simple texting, you want to be able to link it to a customer in Airtable. So you just search for the right contact in Airtable, and then you create the new record in Airtable with whatever values you want. And that's it. It's just three simple modules. Same thing with the outgoing text. Uh, it's just as easy. Um, and hopefully it'll load. If not, you can imagine how mm -hmm. easy this is. I'm sure it's just as simple. Yeah, it's just as simple. So you're using uh, an Airtable automation to send a webhook post. That is correct. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. And you could do it, you know, a bunch of different ways as well. Like, of course, you could write um, your own JavaScript calls directly to simple text. Like you don't need to, you know, get Make involved. I always like using Make for everything because it's so easy. But yes, I have an Airtable automation that that triggers this webhook right here. And then... I just download all the information from that record uh, into Make. I could also just send all the information directly into the webhook, but I like just sending the record ID and then downloading the whole record right here. And, and then that's it. And then you just send it to simple texting. You just put in the customer's phone number, uh, any media that they've attached and the message. And that's it. And then after it sends, you always get an ID code. So you'll always get an ID whether the message was sent or received. So I like to go back into Airtable and update that. So if I show the message ID, this will let me know uh, the message ID in case I ever need to re-download that message from, um, from simple texting. And, or if I need to troubleshoot and say, hey, why didn't this media item come in? You know, I might have done something wrong in the code or something like that. So I like to store the message ID. And then one other thing, if I if they do want to send a message right from the grid view, what I like to do is I like to create a little action button here. This is not a button, but a uh, uh, dropdown, a, sing, a single select field. Thank you. I'm already forgetting my terms. Um, and they would just choose send message. So they could do it right here on the grid view, put whatever they want, then choose send message. And then this can trigger an automation also, and then do it from there. So that's sort of a brief overview of simple texting. You could literally be up and running with it in about uh, 15 minutes, probably. Yeah. So I'm gonna stop awesome. sharing. Very cool. So I'm super excited about, about it. Yeah, no, that's cool. I'm gonna check it out as well. <laughs> that's right. awesome. Very cool. All right, Camille, we'll we'll wrap up with yours. So take your time, walk us through master calendar and what we got coming. All righty. So um, I have a couple of different extensions that are available on the marketplace. One of them is master calendar. Upon its release, I sort of promised to the world that I would not bother people about it until there was an update. And I'm talking about it now because I am actively working on adding a couple of features to it upon its next release. I'm tentatively calling it Master Calendar 2, but um, just so that everyone's aware, I'm thinking the way this might end up being released as a separate extension from the marketplace, just so that if you have Master Calendar already installed in your base and there's something wonky about the upcoming release or you don't like some of the implementations of Master Calendar 2, you can keep everything how it currently is. So hopefully that makes sense. Um, and 
before I begin, I will just give another shout out to fullcalendar.io, which is the thing that Master Calendar is built on top of. And a lot of the features that I'm adding are possible because they are possible in the um, underlying calendar, fullcalendar.io. Great open source platform, can't recommend them enough. Um, so here is just a preview of what Master Calendar 2.0 might look like. Um, has a slightly different um, design that is a little bit more consistent with Airtable's more recent styling. But more importantly, what are some of the features that I'm thinking of adding? Um, one of the features that's been requested before is being able to color code events on the calendar by their view. Currently, you can uh, color code your different um, feeds or uh, selected calendars using this color picker. But if you wanted the events on the calendar itself to be color coded by whatever they are in the selected view. So in this case, I've said content pipeline is my view. I'm pulling in records from, I would be able to use that view's color configuration. Second one is pretty simple for um, whether or not to show or hide weekends. Uh, the third one, time slot duration. This came up actually last week, I think. Someone uh, said they were working on events that last two to five minutes long. And obviously, Master Calendar is sort of on a 30-minute basis at the moment as the slot width. But I am allowing um, the ability to control how long the time slots are. So if I do done and then just demo, you can see the color of my records have changed based on that view that was selected. But if I go into week or day mode, um, you'll see my day is really long now because the time slot is five minutes because that's what I've controlled, 115 to 120. So that's really simple, uh, an option that I'm adding in and then the default will be 30, so consistent with what it is now. Um, another thing that I'm adding is business hours. So um, if you wanted, you can disable this entirely, but if you wanted to say highlight um, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. and I go back to my week view, you'll be able to see that um, highlighted here. So these are the working hours, if you will, that can be controlled. Um, another thing that I haven't implemented in the demo that I'm currently showing now, but I am actively working on, the other uh, main app that I have in the marketplace is called Scheduler, which will present you with a very similar looking calendar and will um, basically uh, disallow you from having overlapping events. So if you are scheduling appointments, for instance, you don't necessarily want to have overlapping records because everybody gets their own time slot. I'm working on adding that functionality to Master Calendar as well. And uh, how that might be implemented, I haven't yet decided, but um, I'm thinking of having that being controlled at the feed by feed basis. So maybe these dates should be able to overlap, but maybe these dates shouldn't. And um, having that as a toggle, so this might move, which is why it's um, not actively implemented yet. And then the last thing, I'm just gonna point it out because it is visible in um, the demo version I'm using. I'm working on the ability to show events that don't come from this base. So I'm currently in my master calendar block demo base. Um, but the idea of this implementation is the ability for you to insert an iCal subscription link and have those appear on the calendar. That is a feature in fullcalendar.io, which again is what Master Calendar is built on top of, but I haven't been able to get this to actually work yet. So I can't necessarily promise that this will be present in um, Master Calendar 2.0, which I'm sure is disappointing to many. I think that's the 
number one thing that has been requested and it is by far the most complex to implement, which is why it still isn't in there. Uh, but I am actively working towards trying to get at least some version of it available. But everything else I've gone over will definitely be there. Um, some things that were changed under the hood also make Master Calendar a little bit speedier. Um, and um, another thing I didn't really go over but has been requested before, if you expand out the sidebar, um, the list of all of your different feeds, which might come from different tables, um, uh, across your base, the ability to sort of conditionally or quickly like toggle these on and off rather than deleting the whole feed. So there'll probably be a checkbox of some sort up at the top or an implementation similar to how Airtable has this sort of drop down and you would um, select these on or off. So things that I'm working on, um, the hope is that this will have launched by the time we come back for our podcast, but that I can't necessarily guarantee because when I finish my code and submit it to Airtable, of course, they have their review process. The holidays are coming up, so I'm unsure how long that review process will be. But most of the things I've talked about have already been implemented and tested, so I'm crossing my fingers for a quick turnaround on its official release. Now, Camille, I'm not sure if you mentioned this at the very, very beginning, but one of the key things that brings people to Master Calendar to begin with is the ability to display events from many different tables. Yes. So view. thank you, Scott. You, again, you you advertise better and more often for Master Calendar than I do. So the, the whole point of Master Calendar is... Um, I'm pulling in multiple different um, date fields from the same table, um, and they happen to be from the same view, but the more important pieces, um, I can pull in things from a completely different table and a completely different view, of course, um, and then give them a name that's not necessarily the primary field, and then have my calendar now load in records from three different sources. So, um, and then just as a, as a note, you'll see that this is coming in gray, but the feed color is this sort of teal. And that's because I have color by view turned on. If I go back to color by feed, you can see that's already um, updated and working. But yes, the whole point of master calendar is to show multiple different tables on one calendar based on whatever start and end dates that you give it. And the hope is that in the future, we'll be able to do iCal subscription links as well. Again, I haven't quite cracked the code on getting that to be enabled, but I am cautiously optimistic. Um, we will see if it's not available, I will make that abundantly clear. Um, as a matter of transparency, if you already have a subscription, you will just sort of get all of these features. There will be no price increase at all whatsoever. Also, um, in the spirit of uh, scheduler, which is what the prevent or allow event overlapping is going to be inspired by, scheduler is an open source extension. So this feature will be available um, whether or not you have a subscription for Master Calendar. Um, you'll be able to basically replace the scheduler extension with Master Calendar if you so choose. Very cool. And that's your extension, the scheduler? Yes. So that's the other one um, just called scheduler. Yeah. So um, this one could also use an update, but the the most because all of it can be housed inside of master calendar that's why i'm kind of leaning more towards you just just moving it over just use this yeah <laughs> yeah this awesome. is this is one of the most beautiful apps in the marketplace I think. Yep. thank you it this is very difficult <laughs> i just want to say uh, a very 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 difficult thing to build um, and I'm very thankful for everyone who's given it a try um, over the year since its release um, and given me a lot of great feedback on how it can be improved, including everything that I've basically gone over over here. 
But yeah, getting it to look even halfway decent was very <laughs> difficult. There's, I empathize with their table not having this being a real feature. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, this was hard. Now, Airtable, we just need this to be able to be embedded inside of interfaces, please. Right. <laughs> um, I feel like you figured it out with list view, being able to have multiple different tables represented on a single um, element, and I, you could you could do it with calendars. I've I've done it. Uh, yeah. It's it's certainly possible uh, directly with their API. So. Yeah, if they want to take some notes, I'll be happy to. Well, I want them um, to allow for extensions to be embedded. Yeah, because again, right. I've already done it. So right. Right. rather than reinvent the wheel, just yeah. just put this thing in here. Exactly, exactly. And if you're watching and you haven't already figured it out, if you're doing anything with calendaring in Airtable, you got to be using this extension, Master Calendar yep. by Camille. Thanks. Like a, commercial, like a little commercial there. <laughs> All right. I promise to not talk about Master Calendar again until it's officially released. <laughs> until they allow extensions in the interface. Oh, no, yeah. no. That would be way too long. We're probably going to be waiting a long time for that. Then I'll never speak of it again. <laughs> That's probably true, unfortunately. Very good. Well, join our community, please. Builtonair.com slash join. We'd love to have you in. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. And we appreciate everybody. And joining us this season. If you have something, if you're doing anything in Airtable, we want to hear about it. We want you to come on the show. Please join us, reach out, and we'll get you on in next season. So we'll be back in January. Everybody have a great holiday and we'll see you then. Thanks. Happy holidays. Thank you for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor, OntoAir Backups, automated backups for Airtable. We'll see you next time on the Built on Air podcast.